My, how things have changed, especially in the miniature painting world. Welcome to Listening to Paint Try with Mike and Dan, a podcast about the hobby and art of miniature painting. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. Thanks very much for coming and joining us today. So, Dan, before we get started, I, I wanted to take a moment and do a little explaining. Um, we've been working on this podcast for quite a while, and there was a drop-off from when I did some of the interviews and when we're actually producing the podcast. Well, I kind of went through a little painting personal crisis of not, be, you know, kind of losing the joy for painting and wanting to hang, hang uh, kind of hang up the brushes and stuff. But uh, I'm better now. Uh, I have an amazing uh, support network uh, of friends and people in the in the hobby and that have been just kind of helped me push through it. I got a mentor through a website, through a, like a Facebook group and such. And so it, it kind of helped get me through that slump to where I am ready, pumped and excited. I also have a great friend like you who kind of has been supporting me and just kind of letting me go through my crap and coming out on the other side. So thank you very much. And I apologize to those we interviewed for the delay and getting these out and such, but we're going to get rolling and this podcast is the real thing <laughs> all right so um i think we could probably have a whole entire episode of like burnout and psychological effects of painting and how hobbies you know get integrated into our entire life and how we can remedy those setbacks that we have sometimes so maybe maybe that's something we need to do around around that uh, time at some point so, but yeah. One thing I do want to to share is um, uh, I got the notes last night on what we we're going to do for the show because we do a lot of prep on this show, as you can tell. And uh, I was really bored after I looked through what was going on and I noticed uh, some of the stuff that you were saying in your first little blurb there. And I went on to Pinterest because I was looking for some um, some ideas for some bases I was doing. And... This popped up on my feed, and I'm not really sure why it popped up on my feed, but I think it was super duper important to say it today. So uh, it says, if you get tired, learn to rest, not to quit. And I think that, and that's from Banksy, the, the artist dude who paints on walls. So I think that's super duper important in our hobby because we do get burnt out and we hear it and we see it all the time on our Facebook feeds and groups about people who are just like, I'm tired of painting. I can't get my mojo. What do you guys do? Sometimes it's just take a rest. We take a rest when we're playing sports and when we're watching TV and when we're eating and stuff, we have to take a rest and we have to do it in our hobby also, but don't quit because that's just defeatist. Um, so I thought that was just really odd and, um, I guess, fatalistic, fate-alistic, if that's even a word, that that popped up on my, that that popped up on my, uh, I don't know if it's called a Pinterest feed or whatever it is, but it showed up on there last night right after I read it. And I was like, that's, that's, I got to talk about that. So, so back to the show, what's going on with you, Mike, where are we going to go with this? Um, so today I thought maybe we would talk about both of us have been uh, kind of we have different hobby journeys, but we've both started in the hobby kind of a long time ago. And I think, I, you know, for today's episode, talk about some stuff that has really kind of changed and impacted 
the direction of the hobby of miniature painting, figure painting, et cetera. Even modeling and model train building has had a bunch of changes as well. I think they're all spilling over. So kind of talking about that stuff, you know, and so like, you know, one of the things that's interesting is, and I've noticed that a lot of people kind of have the same story that I do, got into the hobby in high school a little bit dabbled a little bit more in college and then took like a 20 plus year break. And for me, it was when my son found my box of space Marines and I was like, Ooh, I forgot how much I love that stuff. And then I got into the, some classes at Nova open and where I met you and kind of fell in love with the hobby. Like, I think it was about four years ago, maybe. I think it's been uh, four or five years. Yes. Four or five years. And so, and I probably uh, thought for a long period, for for about two and a half years of that, I probably thought I was a serious painter. And then I kind of had the realization when I went through that existential crisis that I wasn't a serious painter yet um, because I wasn't doing it. I wasn't painting. And so uh, now that I've kind of had that revelation and been able to dedicate, you know, and look backwards and see. But anyways, regardless of that stuff, more of just what are the things that changed? You know, like what's your background in the hobby, Dan? started back in high school but my high school was like uh over 30 years ago and um i started playing with historicals and battletech as my first um foray into tabletop games and uh painting so uh i did that off and on actually more steady than i did uh in the uh, 2000s and the teens after i had married and started a family and everything it had to take a back seat for a little bit like most of us do uh so my background goes back 30 years and actually yours is probably pretty close to 30 years too um, but it really didn't pick up again um i didn't stop though um i still read the books gw books i still like to pick up figures i still like to pick up things and paint and put together so i always had it as part of my hobby but it wasn't in my face kind of hobby because military regular job wife and family and stuff like that it takes a back seat but i always dabbled in it until about five years ago when my kids were old enough to you know talk and stand and poop on their own and i was able to have some free time to do things i went to nova open also and that's where we both ran into each other which happens to be the first one that uh really jumped out at me at like hey i need to I need to learn something. I need to, what is it? What are the new things that are going on out there? And it was life changing um, because things were so different from the two thousands back. Oh, and I probably should add also is in the two early 2000. So from 98 to 2000, uh, I did work for GW. So I was always in that part. So it was kind of hard just to have a cold start stop on playing with GW figures and, and Warhammer for the most part, uh, but it did trail off a little bit, and I wasn't into the gaming scene as much as I used to or the painting scene. So that is kind of my my history and background and where I came from. Nice, nice. So if I ask you the question, what has been when I, what has been a significant change in the hobby? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? You know, man, that's a such a loaded question. And we should have a show just on that. Well, that's what this is. That's what this <laughs> oh, show is. <laughs> oh, it is? Oh, okay. Wow, jeez. All right. So what has been the biggest thing? In the last 20 years, that's really hard. Um, 
but I think one, I we'll think see. What, how about one of the biggest things? I just want to know what the first thing that comes to your mind is. So one of the, so for me, I think it's not it's not a, a system or a process or anything, but really, I think the biggest thing that has happened for the hobby is actually it becoming acceptable and visible in the mainstream has changed the hobby a lot. It's no longer uh, being down in the basement playing D&D or in my case, hiding in the basement playing Battletech or every once in a while you see a couple of folks, um, you know, liking comic books and being ridiculed. It's, it's, front and center now and it's totally acceptable so you're getting everybody who was almost embarrassed or wasn't as vocal coming out and that has opened up new avenues and media has opened up new opportunities for companies and i think it's has expanded and exploded to where we are now because i can think of maybe three or four game systems back in 2000s some handwritten ones back in the 90s and 80s um, to now we have entire ecosystems based off of making a game and selling it and being crowdfunded. And this is not just something that happens every couple of months, but almost on a daily basis, we have games that are coming out and they wouldn't be able to do that without support of customers and without people that enjoy it. So I, I really think um, being accepted for our nerdism or whatever has, or, uh, uh, fandom has, has changed the way things have. And that has added to better processes, better manufacturing, better quality games, better quality painters and paints and materials. Uh, and I think that I, I would hope that that's the root and that's the, like, what I like to think is the root of it. So yeah, that's the number. That's the biggest change I see, and I think just that one root cause has made everything else expand and explode. What about you? What have you seen change in the last twenty years or so? Well, I think I think I had the revelation about a month ago when I was texting you saying, "Holy crap!" There's a South Park episode on tabletop wargaming, um, and that kind of like just in my in my head, I was like wow, this stuff has kind of arrived, right? We're at a kind of a, a renaissance of it. And, you know, they nailed it. I mean, they nailed the way it goes to, at least in my house, where, you know, my, my daughters meticulously read the rules to a board game and then beat my son at the game because he kind of doesn't know the rules. He just wants to play. And so, you know, it's just, uh, it, it's a thing of beauty that you look at shows like Stranger Things, Big Bang Theory, South Park, all, all of it's out in the media, like you said. Um, and I, I kind of piggyback off that a little bit. And I think one of the biggest things that's been a change to see for me is kind of the crossover of the different types of art forms, you know, the acceptance of miniature painting as an art form, and then seeing artists take other art forms and incorporate them into miniature painting, you know, 15 years, uh, 10 years ago, you would have never seen a model with a hand, with a hand painted background right it would all, all all of it was assumed that it was going to be built and be 3d but they incorporate kind of that 2d background with the 3d model and all those different art forms of kind of coming together instead of just using 
acrylic paints or back in the old days when you had to bust out the bottle of testers and (laughs) tester enamels and hope that you didn't pass out in your basement painting because of the smell um to now i mean god just like you said there's game systems out there every day it feels like there's a new paint line or a new set of brushes every day that come out on a (laughs) kickstarter or an every company that does models now feels like they have a paint line to support it. And, exactly. you know, for me, for me, that's great because I'm a paint slut. So I just want to try all the different paints and, and play around with them. And, you know, I love brushes and stuff. You know, it's kind of I had the same problem with office supplies. Um, and so I just I love office supplies. I love paint supplies and stuff along those lines. My, my true nerdiness in this coming out. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that that kind of that move from. just figure painting to where figure painting is incorporating other forms of art and watching kind of the spillover right when um even back a while ago i knew there was a split between like the military historical modelers and the tabletop war game modelers like and they never crossed over right and so like and they looked down upon each other and uh, <laughs> uh like one is one does non-metallic metals one does true metals one's wrong and so that type of stuff is kind of while probably still exists here and there, it's really kind of gone away. And you see it especially in the areas of the military modeler shows, because if you look at their web pages from previous shows, every year they have increase in fantasy and sci-fi and stuff along those lines, entries into their painting contests. And so just like this week, I actually went and joined the National Capital model soldier society and we'll talk a little bit more about that but they were talking about an upcoming show and being that i'm a fantasy and kind of sci-fi painter not a real i I do some historical stuff but only on models that kind of catch my attention um they were talking about how every time every show they go to it seems that has more and more fantasy and sci-fi and and stuff in the shows and that it's kind of growing and it's interesting because they did a presentation on different techniques and a lot of the people there i think i'm one of about about the 20 people that were there i think i'm the only real one one or two of the only real acrylic painters the rest of them are all oil painters and so it was interesting to have that conversation about what a glaze means in oil painting versus what it means in acrylic painting and in in oil painting it's more of the product as opposed to in acrylics it's more of the process right yeah Uh, or or the technique and so just the stuff i had no idea because i don't i don't venture into oils because i can't do the smell man it kills me i I, like the i i can't even odorless thinner it's a lie um but it gives me a migraine that stuff after about 10 minutes that stuff gives me a migraine headache but anyway so long story short the increase in the art form of miniature painting, you know, yeah. but there's also a lot of other things that have changed too. Cause I have to tell you, Dan, when I first remember reading like white dwarfs, when they first were coming out and seeing all this stuff in there about, you know, Oh, use an ink wash to do this. There was no such thing as an actual ink wash product. Now, I mean, good Lord. I think that that's kind of a revelation. Something was huge that from when I painted, originally to now coming back in that inks glazes washes 
holy crap, man. There's so many different products out there now. It's such, uh, I don't know, like, uh, I don't even know where to begin with that stuff because it, it, that stuff in the in the hobby has changed so drastically, too. It, it's a thing of beauty, but it's also a bit over, overwhelming, too. Yeah, because we wanted to just, you know, just paint things. And every once in a while, we want to paint them good. And uh, one thing I want to I want to piggyback off of your piggyback about the quality of painting and the types of paintings and stuff is one of the things I was thinking of is um, as as we were moving or being more accepted as an art form that classically trained artists and traditional artists have we have I, I have seen them transition into this either it be for the fun of it for the challenge or something they truly like and want to bring into it but i think that has really upped the hobby side of miniatures because they're the ones that are bringing these techniques over that have been used for hundreds of years that as hobbyists we don't think of you know the companies that um let's say the last 10 years has been like hey all you have to do is put one coat if you want to shadow in there, you can do it. If you want a little highlight to make it look a bit more natural, knock yourself out. But like you said before, now we have, you know, a line of washes. We have a line of glazes. We have a line of super mixtures of stuff that someone, you know, 150 years ago came up with. And for us, it's, you know, it's, wow, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. No one has ever thought of that before. But the traditionals were like, yeah, we've been doing that for like 20 years on your figures. And it seems to work pretty good. Um, and I think that you can also see the increase in the quality of the paint jobs in art competitions. Also, you can really oh, tell yeah. that mm -hmm. traditional artists really bring a lot to this game. And, uh, some of us gamers need to, to work a lot harder to catch up. <laughs> well, and I think too, what's happening, it, like you see it, like, um, the, this is, uh, we're recording on a Friday tomorrow at a games workshop they're having a painting contest by me that i have an entry prepared for but the quality of the entries even at like store level competitions has snowballed you know like it's mm -hmm. kind of like oh, wow you get like even when i first started like you know back again in the first competitive piece i painted had did win a store show uh, like a, a a store competition i look at it now compared to what i'm painting i'm like holy crap this wouldn't even get a finalist and apprentice level you know like this wouldn't even get a like a, uh, this wouldn't make the cut in a in <laughs> in kind of the low level competition but now yeah. it's changed though now you know the you, you got to really kind of push yourself yeah the level of artists are just absolutely amazing out there and yeah. every I, I, and i just kind of every day almost on instagram i find somebody new to follow you know oh that's and, not even a joke man yeah. i i yeah, I just wish more people would follow me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had that same problem. There's like, what is that swipe left or swipe right, whatever, which one it is? Like, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't know. I'm too old to play that game. You're on, that's Tinder, Tim. That's not Tinder. Um, oh, whatever. That's, that's an entirely different type of art form. Um, hey, hey, that's a really hot looking model. Oh, wait a minute. That's the wrong kind of model. Right. Never exactly. mind. Just that's <laughs> me being an old guy dad jokes right no absolutely um it, i can appreciate that for sure uh i <laughs> i get in trouble for dad jokes all the time yeah um, i do 
And so, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about too with this is the the differences in materials. Like looking back at the old, like uh, the Rogue Trader One Space Marines or old school Ral Partha. And here I'm even throw one out that I maybe you haven't even heard of this game called Traveler. They had miniatures for that game as well. And this is before Games Workshop, et cetera. It was a game my brother used to play. Mm-hmm. Those miniatures, the, the quality of them back then, we thought were awesome. We're like, wow, look at these things. Now, if you take like a Rogue Trader 1 or a Ral Partha and compare it to current Games Workshop plastics, or you look at a company like a metal company like Dark Sword Miniatures, and you're like, wow that the world has really changed you know and in, in, in as far as the quality plus something that wasn't as prevalent 15 years ago is the introduction of resin which just totally upped the game as far as details and you granted price but i mean it really had a major impact i think and it's probably resin is probably my favorite to paint over plastic and metal but they're so, I mean, plastic is, plastic is getting close to almost the resin level of detail. And it's kind of, it's impressive. Well, that goes back to, you know, manufacturing and how we progressed over the, or progressed over the last 20 years. People had to do their sculpts by hand. They had to, you know, make a cast of it and then they had to pour it and, all, you know, do all those other things. And it didn't take for them to just, you know, someone to step on it the wrong way or for them to to make the metal a little off because that's why we had uh, five hours worth of mold lines that we had to uh, scrape off with a, with a heavy file uh, where, like you said, now the technology is there um, with materials and manufacturing where they can churn something out on a computer program, make a, you know, a cast of it or a 3d print, which we will have to get into it another time and, and then burn off a thousand uh, copies of it. Um, that's, you know, that's definitely life changing because they can do a couple test models and say, Hey, how do these really work? How do they play? How do they fit? How do they feel? And if you're like, well, you know, we don't like it. It really is as simple as going back and either changing a couple things on a computer or remaking it on a computer and have something within hours almost, if not a day or two, where before it would take months to do it. So this, you know. The increase in time, or was it the decrease in, uh, decrease in the time needed? Uh, actually, just cross that whole time thing out. We don't need that part. Um, okay. So, um, so yeah, it's it's all it all comes together. Everything that we can talk about in the next couple of minutes and stuff that we've started and that we've already talked about have culminated to where we are right now, and why miniatures have changed so much and why they're becoming mainstream and how technology and just time has has improved it for us because hey i'm enjoying this renaissance that we're having man it's been fantastic and at times it's been overwhelming because we don't know you know what we can do what should we wait for i didn't have the imagination for half the things i see out there nowadays and you know i think all the creatives out there that that come up with it because hey it, it it fills my my need and my fantasy need and and stuff and it's hey so i'm enjoying it i'm sure there's lots of other people too that are enjoying it you know and that's 
that is such an amazing thing that's out there too with technology because to the internet with YouTube, Facebook, Patreon, all that stuff, mm-hmm. it is definitely a renaissance or a, you, hell, you might want to call it a heyday of miniature painting. I mean, if you want to, if you go into YouTube and type in how to paint NMM steel, you got 50 videos. Exactly. At, le- at least. You want to learn how to glaze. Any, not only that, there are people who are amazing teachers out there that are doing wonderful videos that actually, you know, back in the day, you might get an instruction booklet that like that old joke about here's how to draw an owl. First, draw a circle. Step two, <laughs> fill in the rest <laughs> of the owl. Right. So yeah. you get those painting brochures every so often with paint kits that you bought. Mm-hmm. Now they're like they take you from beginning of the model to the end of the model or you could do techniques or i mean just the stuff that it's out there and if you want even more you can do coaching over the internet through discord or patreon or skype like we're using skype right now so that throw in facebook as all the groups that are out there i mean every like when i open up facebook there's a list of groups recommended to me that i've never even heard of before that have thousands of members oh and I'm like, yeah there's so many like i'm already a member of like 15 painting groups i can't keep up it's overwhelming you know and finding the right one for you is kind of tough but that's a good problem to have right yeah it definitely is and you know you're all we both know also that when you go on one of these groups and it says you have 15 friends that are also part of this group most likely you're going to see most of that stuff in other places. It's, you know, it's not just one, one location. And then unfortunately it starts to bog us down a little bit when you have to scroll through like five pages of the same figure, but you know, they don't know who else is out there and they're just trying to get the most reach when they're asking questions or showing off how awesome their stuff is. So I totally get it and I accept it. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, it is, the only thing that is annoying is the people that constantly post across different groups that they spilled their pot of wash. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> everybody's done it. Enough. I get it. Put it in a dropper bottle or get get the games workshop stand so you don't knock your stuff over. Or how about this? Close your pot. <laughs> Science, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of so much has changed. It's such a great time to be a miniature painter and, and be in this hobby. The one thing that would have been nice, um, well, I'm sorry, not would have been nice. The one thing that is nice, though, is there are low budget options out there. Like, if you're somebody who wants to paint miniatures, but you don't have a ton of disposable income, which this hobby, damn, this hobby is expensive. There are options for you. Things like Reaper make Bones miniatures, which are substantially cheaper. They're not, the plastic isn't as good as a regular plastic miniature, and the detail isn't there. But it they are fantastic for what they are. Often they're $3 to $4 a model. Sometimes you can get bigger models for $10, $15, which is awesome. Or if you pay attention to Kickstarter, they do a Kickstarter every couple of years. And you can get... Like, for example, the last Kickstarter I backed was for $100, and I got um, 187 miniatures. Uh, probably more than right there is more miniatures than I will probably paint in my entire lifetime. But 
they're good to practice on. If you even if you're an experienced painter, you can practice on them, etc. I think WizKids also makes multiple lines of cheaper miniatures. Those are the pre-primed with Vallejo primer ones. Personally, don't like them. The mold lines on those are kind of impossible uh, to get rid of, <laughs> but they're an option. You know, especially if you're a gamer who wants to put some painted miniatures on the table, and not spend a ton of time on, and not spend a ton of money on them. Well, there you go. You know, so there are some great cheaper options that are out there as well. So that's a nice aspect of it because part of what I was worried about when I came back into the hobby five five or so years ago was how expensive the point of entry was. But now it seems to be even Games Workshop are doing the cheaper boxes of like the push fit models that are monopose models that are easier to get access to or uh, easier to enter into the hobby with. And so that's kind of a, a huge thing. Cause I remember, man, I bought that box of 30 space Marines for $15 back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, okay. That's a lot of money, but all right. For little tiny plastic soldiers. Um, now I'm, I'm missing those days where, you know, it's $60 for a fig. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's true. Excuse me, sorry. But anyways, so we've got let's see. Second, let me get to back to Skype screen before we move on. So right now we got about thirty minutes recorded material, which is great. Okay. So I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to close out on that with, or what? That's all we have is thirty minutes. Okay. Uh, no, um, I mean, cause then we can go, we can go, I'm sure we can keep going. I mean, we have another section that we can talk about or we can just stop there and then do a different show with other stuff. Cause we could probably run how, I don't know how long it would take for us to go through, um, what's on our desk and what else we're doing, but, um, we kind of touched I, on that. Well, if we get, well, I mean, we probably still have about 10 more minutes for the content and, uh, it's oh, on okay. our desk and stuff. And so oh, if that's okay, yeah. that'll yeah, put us yeah, at about cool. 40 minutes. Yeah, that's fine. And then we could do a half an hour or, or 20 minutes for whatever interview it's going to be. And that would be cool. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. <clears throat> so let's go from there. So Dan, man, tell me what's on your desk. What are you working on right now? All right. Well, many, many months ago, I purchased the uh, Sisters of Battle box that uh, everybody was all excited about uh, last year. So it took me uh, quite a while to come up with a color scheme, which I'm going to adjust again, but I do have the primary colors I want to be using for that. Um, so that's some of the things I have on my desk. And of course, um, my new foray into um, Battletech is, um, is taking up some of my time also. I'm just getting some of my old figures, repainting them. Uh, not all of them, but just some of them. Uh, rebuilding some figures, taking some of the new ones that I have and uh, just coming out with new color schemes for that. And I've been playing some too, uh, a lot more than uh, I used to, even back in the 90s. So there's a pretty active group here and I've pretty been uh, been pretty excited about it because uh, that's definitely a Kickstarter for Battletech, right? Yes, I did. And uh, I think the, um, that has definitely jump-started uh, Catalyst uh, over the edge because uh, I think they were kind of overwhelmed by the um, response that they got. I think it's like $3.5 million they made off of that Kickstarter. Wow. Something like that. I didn't look into it. Um, 
but uh, I was definitely a clan player back in the day. And for them to have uh, this clan stuff is pretty incredible. They had to make up new add-ons. And what's that when you, when you when you make a certain amount of money, they give you some stretch goal. Ah, uh, stretch goals. They had to come up with new stretch goals because they ran out after like two million dollars because they didn't think anybody was going to be buying that much. Um, or they did and they just faked us all out. Uh, but that one's going pretty well right now. So in the next couple of months, I should start getting my first wave of figures in, which would be about probably 40 or 50, which is an awful lot. Uh, the second wave will be in November, which is another like 40 or 50. Um, a lot of so that's, yes, it is. <laughs> and what's really cool about it is, you, you know, you have different time errors. You are, um, what's cool about it is you have different errors. You have different, uh, countries or factions that you can use just like every other game system so yeah you can have the exact same figure but you could have uh different colors on it to represent a different uh army or something like that so that's probably what they will end up being you know either mercs or or what clan uh i feel like affiliating with but so those are the really big ones that i've been uh sponsoring lately you know just trying out new combinations of painting been doing this couple of videos watching some stuff trying to get some better ideas on on how to paint because that's what happens that's you know what's the new thing and what's the what's the uh new quick thing that we can do or what's the cool new technique that we can use on faces or eyes or you know skin or armor so what about you what are you working on uh, well, what I'll say too is we'll we're gonna put on our Instagram and our Facebook pages pictures of stuff that we're working on, um, and you can follow us on Instagram at Listening to Paint Dry or on Facebook at Listening to Paint Dry. Those are you know pretty easy to get to, but and we probably should just uh, <laughs> we're going to post different pictures than we would post on the regular painting sites that we normally would. <laughs> Right, <laughs> that might be a good thing to do. Because right, like, oh okay, I'm more uh, pitching that one before. Hey, wait a minute, uh, I know that Dan now. No, I know. Oh my god, that's what he looks like. Oh, shit. I can't <laughs> shit. Right. Well, so I I have kind of two big projects right now that I'm working on. One is almost done. Um, I purchased at the Nova Open last year the GW Primaris Convention exclusive lieutenant. Um, I painted him as a raptor. Uh, Space Marine chapter, and I wanted to push myself in a lot of different areas. Um, I sculpted with uh, Magic Sculpt the chapter badge on his shoulder, on the backpack, and on the front of the the plinth. Um, really worked towards pushing contrast. Uh, I didn't realize a couple of people. I posted this on a Facebook group, Everywhere Metal. Uh, that I'm a part of, uh, and or no, was it miniature painting tips and tricks? Yes, miniature painting tips and tricks. Um, that a couple people had pointed out that I was really almost at the point of non-metallic metal green, which was totally by accident, but very welcome. I didn't want to quite get there, but I was like, yes, okay. So I'm kind of getting in. That's kind of a, a huge, huge deal for me. I've been working with a mentor from the Everyer Metal pa uh, Painting Group on Facebook with it. Uh, I'm not going to say his name because I haven't asked his permission to, um, but I will get permission from him by the next time we record. And the other one I'm working on is one uh, that's by Gollum Miniatures. They have a line called the Muses. And right now there are three of them. 
I have two of the three, but I'm working on one called Flora, which is an 80 millimeter figure. Definitely uh, out of my comfort zone. A lot of flesh tone, um, lots of interesting shading and coloring uh, and shapes with this. So I'm, I'm excited about really kind of tackling it. Uh, I'm going to try painting it with an alternative direction of light as opposed to just Zenithal lighting. Uh, I kind of want to, uh, it is a woman standing holding a vase and I want to kind of do the light coming over her right shoulder at an angle as opposed to doing it from the top. Um, I have, so in between episodes, well, there, there actually, this would be after I already posted the review of Flora. So this would be, <laughs> so I've already done a review of this model that we're going to post in between main episodes. So that's the model I'm currently working on. And we'll post some pictures on, on Facebook. I've kind of did the black, white, gray, black, gray, white priming, but from a different direction and then have done a bit of a light sketch as well. So that's kind of what's on my table. I have, you know, there are a bazillion projects that I could possibly start, or I could actually finish ones I've started, but I really wanted to get on uh, onto this model because it's so different than anything I've ever painted. So what else is new with you, Dan? And uh, you said that you have been getting in some Battletech games. How's that been going? Uh, it's been pretty cool. Uh, what is really awesome about a solid game system is that you can come back after 25 years and the rules haven't changed. Hint, hint, GW. Um, <laughs> so it didn't take uh, but one practice game for me to get up to speed with um, with movement, shooting, the phases, uh, with what I needed to 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 um, to roll in order to to hit and wound saves. It was so simple. It was just like, okay, I can't even believe that I've played GW for or 40k for so long because that's such an in-depth game. Now there is some intricate kind of rules like, you know, falling and things like that and using your piloting skills in certain areas and stuff like that. And tactics, definitely, because it's definitely a different game um, than uh, some of the other ones out there. Uh, but it didn't take very long at all. So, you know, um, we play on Friday nights and, uh, you know, I'm still trying to uh, increase the number of mechs I have. So I don't keep using the same thing. But um, it's been a lot of fun, uh, a lot of fun to do it. And I'm, I'm glad I'm back into it. Yeah, that's so, that's excellent. It's I know that gaming was a big part of the hobby for you. For me, unfortunately, it's not just because I don't. You know, my I don't pick up a paintbrush till after eleven o'clock at night, really, most of the time, and so that's when my my free time. Is. Yeah. Um. And so I, I, you know, a lot of the skirmish games that are out there are very interesting to me, but man, I can't paint a squad now to save my life. I start it, then I get bored, and I can't. I don't know. I, I, I keep looking at like, you know, entries for painting competitions and I'm going to be the guy that has like 12 for the single figure category because that's all I can do these <laughs> days. <laughs> I'm finding that uh, squad based games is probably my my niche because I, I can paint enough of one thing and have a cohesive group, but I don't have to have two or three thousand points worth of it. Like I don't have to have 50 or 60 different figures and in vehicles to to support them 
and with a small skirmish size game, I could, you know, I could have 10, 10 guys or gals and that would, you know, and that fits just right. So I think I'm hoping moving into the future, that's what my focus will be. Um, I wanted the sisters to be my last, or I wanted them to be my next army. Uh, that's been sidetracked a little bit because of something else. Um, but I've lost kind of that interest since the box set came out to build a full 2000 or 2500 point army with them because it's like you said it's kind of hard to do squads upon squads of the same color scheme and you know to tell the truth these aren't the easiest ones to freaking put together and to paint either um i've had some some difficulties maybe it's just my big fat fumbling fingers or my poor eyesight but man i've had some difficulty with these little 28 millimeters trying to or heroic 32s to uh <laughs> to to put these things together and actually fit properly uh the instructions just weren't suited for old people and um yeah ageism is real <laughs> the struggle is real man <laughs> well i noticed it too when you uh between i i have two sisters of battle i have the sister amelia anniversary battle sister the one that darren lantham sculpted um, that you could buy separately, God, months ago, long time ago. <laughs> yeah. And then, then I have the canonist that you so generously gave me. Um, holy crap, man. I was looking at that canonist and I was starting to put together Sister Amelia. And I'm like, these are on the brink of Malifaux, right? <laughs> like Malifaux style models. They're, they're pretty small. It's, it's not a joke. And when you start getting into some of the other figures, they're, they're tiny. We're so used to, you know, and in our game uh, meta in here, you know, 40K, um, we're so used to putting Space Marines and Primaris together that when we actually have a real size human, <laughs> it's really right. small. Indeed. And that's what, you know, and that's what the, the detail is absolutely incredible. And even I make fun of Malifaux, the models, once they're together, are gorgeous. It's just getting them together. It's like, yep. and that's, and, that is my, I, hate hate prepping models i i really doing mold lines you know you made a joke about five hour mold lines i would love for a figure to only take me five hours to clean <laughs> right it takes me forever and like even when i was trying to do a squad i said i set out to myself i'm gonna do a uh, uh, armies on display this year for 2020 that's my resolution <laughs> Yeah, that ended within about a week. I was like, yeah, I'm done. Because, you know, I would get clean up a squad of Space Marines, think I had them done, put the primer on them, pick them up to start painting, going, ah, crap, there's three mold lines on this one I missed. Oh, you yeah. know, And just constantly missing mold lines. It's like the bane of my existence. Mm -hmm. And the, to, to take a squad and have to repetitively remove mold lines the same way on each model. I've got some new tips and yeah. tricks that I've learned, but like I got some, some stuff from a beauty uh, sale place that actually helped me out a lot because they're very soft, but sand well, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But dude, painting a squad. <laughs> I, I, you know, I just, that's why actually like the, the storm cast and the skirmish games of like shades, fire and beast grave. Those intrigue me because that's three models. <laughs> that's yeah. it. There's three models. Three models I might be able to handle. But I can't do 
a whole freaking squad anymore, man. You know, I um, am going to do, I am going to try to do a squad for the Nova Open of um, probably my favorite Games Workshop models are the Stormcast Paladin Protectors. Mm-hmm. I love these dudes. They've got big, giant, speary things, and I'll probably give them a try. I just stripped them from what they look like old. And then I had the realization that, damn it, my, if you look up protector, Stormcast Protectors mm-hmm. on the Games Workshop site, you're going to see a picture of my Stormcast protectors. They have my, uh, from my Instagram feed up there. Yeah, cool. And so, and I, I just stripped them and I went, damn it, I should have just kept them and bought a new <laughs> box. You know, anyway, sorry, I got diverted. Yeah. I tried. No. So you, you've been playing Battletech. Yep. So that's been my uh, focus for a while. It's been doing, uh, it's just playing Battletech, painting Battletech stuff, but I've also been trying to fill that niche of being a better painter. So I have been on Patreon and I was lucky enough to get uh, Trevarian uh, uh, to do uh, private lessons. So I'm pretty excited about that. We've had a few so far. I've learned a couple things. Some light bulbs have gone off. So um, it's just, uh, I don't, get a chance to paint as much as I want to. So sometimes I lose some of those things. So I do go back through all my old books. I go through all my old notes, uh, try to remember old recipes and things like that and say, oh, you know, try to help those light bulbs come back on because, man, I wish I could be 20 years old again and remember all this shit that I'm doing because (laughs) I've forgotten an awful lot. (laughs) And it sucks because, man, I do enjoy painting. But it's but it's also it's not just that but there you know there's new techniques that are out there there's different techniques there's different ways of being taught you know you can mm-hmm. blend you know twenty different ways but you never know the right one until you actually experience it and uh, those light bulbs have definitely been going off and it really does help to have somebody who can walk you through those processes or even just show you something different. So that's so. Hopefully, within the next uh, couple of years, I might have something that I can put in the show. <laughs> <laughs> you have stuff you can put in shows. You just choose not to put it in shows. Yeah, yeah. I think we already had that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> that's what. That's will be a common, a common theme here. Yeah. Now, and it's you. you know, sometimes you have to realize, and I think that's where where a big revelation for me too when I kind of came out of my funk was. I wanted to be a better painter immediately. You can't, you got to earn it. You got to practice. You got, you know, there are some people out uh, out there that are naturally talented at this stuff. Good for them. I am not, but it's just that patience and practice. And, you know, like a, a big area I worked on with the Raptor was glazing. I think just on his right leg. And I was counting just then. Like just on his right leg, the rest of if I would have counted the whole time, it would have totally depressed me. I think there are 27 layer of glazes per transition on each let on each color transition at, at a minimum. It's crazy. But before six months ago, I would have given up at five layers and been like, I can't glaze. And it's just a matter of patience. You know, you have to. And yeah, I do. I have a tendency to work on the super thin side as opposed to thicker sides of, of glazes. And so because I feel like my margin of error is larger because I'm still learning. And so I don't want to be that, oh, glaze, glaze. Ah, crap. Now nah, I just totally ruined the transition. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's just a patience thing. And, you know, it, Trevarian's videos are excellent. 
that I've seen. And so that, that that's lucky. I, I wish you the best of luck with that, man. Yeah, I wish me the best of luck, too. <laughs> <laughs> so I did something new. I joined the Capital Model, uh, National Capital Area Model Soldier Society. And I've been, you know, I've been looking for kind of a painting group or such along those lines. Now, this is great because, you know, I joined Wednesday and at the meeting they announced that they're no longer going to do their monthly painting group. They're only going to hold the meeting. So I'm like, great. Yeah, (laughs) I was like, was it something I said? But they weren't getting the participation that they wanted. And so they're actually going to incorporate painting into their their monthly meeting. So. And you know what's really weird is, and I don't know what it, I don't know what that is, and maybe it's a discussion for later on. Uh, we we have these groups and we see them and and we hear about them and we go to their stores and there's a lot of excitement, but then it's a very steep drop off after that first two or three meetings. I've seen three or four of them in my area, and we're not a very big area. It's usually the same folks or maybe new newcomers coming in, but maybe it's getting to a location and painting. I think it would be a lot easier if we didn't have all this technology to help us out because we would share through word of mouth and through the administration. But now we can ask those questions online. We can type them in. We can do a search and like, hey, this is how you make this look better. Or this is how you can make this look different. And it's there. So the urge to go out and be social isn't there as much as I think it used to be. And I think that's unfortunate because... I really enjoyed that aspect back in the 80s and 90s of going to a store and hanging out with people that were like-minded and play some games and share some stories and stuff. It was fun. Yeah, no, I agree. And certainly to the younger folks that might listen, probably makes us sound like old fogies, you know, put down your phone and paint. That's really it. And think of it this way too, no matter how good of a picture you take, the picture is still not an accurate representation of what a model you're working on looks like in real life. A lot of times when you get online feedback, you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt because they can only see what you post. However, if you hand somebody the model and they see it in real life and in real light, they're like, ah, okay, now you can work out, you know, they can give good feedback that way. I mean, so even from a feedback feedback position, Going to a group is much better. Putting your stuff in a competition is better because you can physically put your like get comments and stuff from people who can see your stuff in real life. I mean, it, it's you're absolutely right. I think technology is hurt a bit, and you're right. We could do a whole show on the drop off. I know there was one in at Huzzah Hobbies we were doing that the first five or six times there was about 12, 13 people there, which is a really good turnout, and then boom, all of a sudden the hobby group is over <laughs> the paint club is yeah done. it really sucks <laughs> you know, and you're like all right yeah the last time that there was a scheduled paint club for that i went nobody else showed up and for me it's a 30 to 40 minute drive to that place and so yeah you know oh well such is life uh, maybe another time things will go over reopen maybe we could figure out a way that we could do a listening to paint drive paint club you know, who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll broach that subject down the road. But so the awesome part of this episode, besides, you know, just us blabbering about, is we're actually going to have where we will have an interview with Uncle Adam from Tabletop Minions. 
And one of the things that we get into is a conversation about what has changed in the hobby. And he's been in the hobby a long time. And it's really kind of nice to talk to somebody who kind of comes from that same perspective. And so we'll have that in just a moment added to the show. And so, yeah, I don't know what else we want to add to here before we go into the interview. There's an upcoming show in, if you're in the Northern Virginia area or even if you're not. Uh, Richmond has the International Plastic Modeler Society show February 22nd, um, and, uh, 29th, excuse me, February 29th, 2020. Good stuff. It's supposed to be huge. Uh, and I was told that the fantasy and sci-fi keeps growing at those too. So bring your models. If you're, in, if you're in the area, put them in the contest. And what I also understand is one of the great reasons to go there is they have a ton of vendors. And so that's always a good thing to go blow some cash, right? Mm, yeah, actually, that is. <laughs> that's so, and it's another one of those things. It's nice to shop online, et cetera, but it is so much more fun to go to a hobby store, right? It's so much more enjoyable to actually physically look through the products and move your, you know, like actually get to see what you're looking at before you buy it. So that's a and, big thing. And that's a whole other show, too. Remember, you got to support <laughs> your brick and mortars because they're the ones that are putting this stuff out there for us to uh, to put together. And they give us locations to play. So if you don't support them, eh, it's kind of hard to figure out what you want to buy by looking online. Right. And even, the, you know, like some of them, like, you know, Games Workshops, if you deliver to their store, their store gets credit. As well. So like if I order something at the Tower Center store or online and have it shipped to the Tower Center store, that Tower Center store gets credit for that sale. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's a good thing. You know, it's always a good thing to support the, the stores. And I usually try to, you know, I have like four or five things that they're small, but I buy every time I go to a hobby store. Like I always buy dropper bottles because I I'll always need a dropper bottles, um, things along those uh, dropper bottles sanding sticks, stuff like that, that are just, I constantly burn through in the hobby. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe some crap paint brushes too, as well, because those are another things that I kill. You know, I have a big, <laughs> a big pencil case full of crap brushes. So, but you know, yeah, definitely we could do a brick and mortar, a brick and mortar show. So the only other thing I wanted to point out was if you have a thoughts, questions, comments about the show, Want to show us what you're working on, have ideas for a future show or stuff that you want to cover, have a question you want to ask, you can email us at listeningtopaintry at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at listeningtopaintry and Facebook at listeningtopaintry. We will at some point down the road have a website. I do own a domain name, but life, hobbying, all that, and doing the podcast, I'll get to the website at some point. So. But otherwise, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, thank you so much, Uncle Adam, for joining us today on mm -hmm. uh, listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan. Um, we're here at the Nova Open. How's your experience been so far? <laughs> um, it's been pretty good, honestly. It's um, This is my second Nova, and... Um, it's been uh, this year. I'm actually teaching classes here. Well, I take that back. I did teach classes last year, but this is this year. I'm teaching painting classes. I, I taught one literally just about an hour ago, and I'm teaching another one tonight. Uh, and they're both about cutting corners. They're both about how to get stuff on the tabletop quicker. Um, you know, if you're if you're a person who, who's a gamer, but you want to still have stuff that at least looks 
like it's been painted to some mm-hmm. degree and doesn't look too bad. There are a lot of cool and easy ways to, um, frankly, uh, find efficiencies and cut corners and make things happen that you can get stuff out on the table and it's not as hard as you might think. So that's that's been good. The first class went well, and it's like I said, I think second one's going to go just as just as well. And you also you're also teaching a class on how to do YouTube as well. Yeah, I taught that one on what's today Saturday. I taught that one on Thursday. Okay. And uh, yeah, and that one. Um, Usually I have that separated into two classes where there's one that's more the technical stuff, cameras and editing and lighting and audio. And then the other one is usually more the, um, like the branding and the strategy and the marketing and that kind of stuff. Uh, this year I kind of squished both those together into the class that I did on Thursday. Um, and then mainly just so that I didn't have to, yeah, we kind of did it that way so we could kind of catch both here. Um, that class was I think I probably had about fourteen people in that class, but the um, painting classes both sold out. So oh, that's, that's wonderful. Good. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad that people are interested. Excellent. So yeah. tell me, how did you get into wargaming to begin with? Um, well, let's see. In middle school, well, in grade school, late grade school, like fifth grade, I uh, uh, a guy introduced me to Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, and so I started playing some of that here and there. Um, and then in middle school, uh, another guy introduced me to Battletech. And so um, we were playing Battletech. And this was back before there were miniatures for it. I mean, well, there may have been miniatures, but he didn't have any. We were just using little cardboard standees, you know, on the hex right. maps and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And it worked out well, and we had a lot of fun. Um, but we were young kids, and, like, all of that extra, like, uh, you know, paperwork and everything at the time seemed very interesting. And there weren't great video games that could basically do the same thing as quickly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But so I was interested in that and um, it was cool. And we had fun with it. And then when I got into college, um, a friend was like, Hey, let's, uh, let's play this game that I've got called uh, space Hulk. And so that was my first introduction to games workshop. Okay. So like while we were playing the game and it was a lot of fun, we were having a great time with it. There was all of this fluff, even in the relatively thin books that came with that particular box set. You know, there's not big, thick books in those necessarily, but they were still talking about the emperor and about the Imperium of man and the Tyranids and all this kind of <laughs> stuff. And it was like kind of peeking behind the curtain a little bit and kind of start, starting to see that stuff. But I didn't get into actual 40 K until fifth edition. I was probably, I don't know, 30 or whatever, something like that. Um, I was getting into miniatures and getting into terrain previous to that, but I was always looking for, skirmish games and there weren't many back then so um but i yeah, didn't now want... there's a zillion oh, skirmish exactly games. exactly wonderful. now it's an amazing time to get started but when i was trying to do it i was trying to find skirmish games because i didn't want to have an entire army it mm-hmm. seemed like a lot of, well it, i didn't have the money for it at the time and i also just didn't have the I think I didn't think I had the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Ain't that the truth? The expense and time. Those yeah, are exactly. Biggest challenges with this hobby. So I was trying to find skirmish games and do that kind of stuff, and I was finding things here and there that were kind of online in the early days of online and whatnot. And then fifth edition came along, and I found some friends that were playing it, and so then I, I started with my Tau army, and then um, I moved from Tau to uh, Chaos, and then I just kind of gone from there. I kind of stopped playing. Um, GW stuff uh, in 7th edition. I only played a couple of games in 7th edition. And I moved into things like Malifaux and um, Song of Blades and Heroes and a bunch of different stuff. And I really still enjoyed painting and doing all of that. But then when 8th um, edition came out, everything got kind of revitalized. And, 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 and then Kill Team, and now Kill Team is my game. Like that's right. what I play. I don't, I, I also play, you know, Age of Sigmar. Um, I honestly haven't played a ton of, I played some 8th edition 40k. 
but I generally prefer the smaller games, you know, right. so I'm playing kill team. I'm playing even at age of Sigmar around our local area, like a thousand points is kind of standard. So that's still a relatively small, small game. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But then I've been playing, um, a bunch of other stuff and I've been building and, and, and prepping to play games like, uh, again, more kind of indie stuff like zone Raiders. I really enjoy. It's, I haven't heard that one. No, heard it's that relatively one. new. It came out this year on Kickstarter and, um, the guy who wrote it had a booth at the Las Vegas open back okay. in February. And that's where I first heard about it. And he was talking about it and how the Kickstarter was coming soon. So I get on the Kickstarter and it's basically a, it's a, um, far in the future kind of uh, skirmish sci-fi game. And um, humans have kind of separated into two factions. You've got your post-humans who've, you know, become uploaded into the mm -hmm. singularity and all that kind of jazz. And they've built a Dyson sphere that goes around, not sure if it's our sun or if it's just a star, but it's this machine that you build that you completely, you know, encase a star so you can draw the power from it to power the machine. Um, but they're not really in the game. They're just sort of these kind of unseen, you know, entities. But then there are regular, regular in air quotes, uh, humans <laughs> that live in the right. layers of this Dyson sphere and don't remember Earth because they've been there for so long, for so many millions of years. And some of them have evolved this way and some have kind of evolved that way. So they're basically stowaways inside this machine. And what's really cool, besides the fact that it's you get to make whatever kind of models you want to some degree. They have factions, but they don't have a model line that comes with the game. So you, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you yeah. do what you want, you know, build the things you want to do. And then, um, you know, but they do have factions in the book to tell you, well, there's these guys and these people and whatnot and all that kind of stuff. But also there's the, ter the terrain is so alien because it's a machine that was not designed for people to work on it. You know, so there's no railings. Okay. So nothing is OSHA approved. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no these people are living thing. amongst this stuff and they're sometimes living in these villages up amongst all these giant cooling towers for, you know, hundreds of years and all of a sudden one day the cooling tower is disassembled by robots and moved away and there's a whole thing and it's mm -hmm. so it's a really cool concept and i love the fact that i can go real custom with the models that's like kind of my i still enjoy like good models and good like gw stuff and like you know things that you see on the shelves in every store but i also really like to be able to take like a whole bunch of parts and build my own thing and i like that that's kind of my new thing these days it kind of sounds like a good avenue too if you were somebody who collected things like reaper miniatures and stuff mm -hmm. that are kind of lower expense yeah, oh, models yeah. and, you and then you can cut them apart and do all kinds of stuff, stuff to them i did a bunch of uh, post apocalyptic models and it's a mixture of reaper stuff and gw stuff and things like that cutting off this arm and putting a different arm on mm -hmm. that looks pretty good but once you paint it and like that you can't even notice and, right. you know, if you do it right that kind of kind of conversion and stuff like that is to me these days one of the kind of interesting things that I really kind of like to sort of um, follow around and, and try to see. So you're kind comes. of drawn to the customization of being able to yeah you put know your footprint on a. I've always kind of customized the stuff a little bit, not necessarily in straight up building conversions, but there's it's rare that I ever paint it like it should look on the box. You know sure. what I mean, like mm -hmm. that kind of thing. My first towel when I when I put them together in fifth edition. Like Tau, they always showed them in that kind of sand desert color, right. you know? Yep. And I didn't go that direction. Part of it was because I wanted to paint them as quickly as possible. So I went and I found um, like a red oxide uh, auto primer at, oh, the, nice. at the auto parts store. And I sprayed them this kind of dark red. Mm -hmm. And then I took an orange spray paint and I dusted them from above for the highlight. Sure. And then I was already, you know... I'd just done two steps, but I'd already primed, base coated, and highlighted. So then it was very easy to then kind of start doing Absolutely. the details and the washes, and it was done. So I cranked through them real quick, but I didn't like the fact that 
you like Tao just you don't convert them too much. You don't see mm-hmm. cow, you know Tao with spikes. You don't, see that, <laughs> which is why I ended up moving into uh, chaos. So yeah, because sure. you can do a lot more wacky conversion. Obviously, right. orcs are probably the king of that, but I didn't right. want to go full that direction. Right. There's no Tao with the rack of skulls on their back. Generally right not. Now. No, they're not into that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what what over your time period in in gaming, what do you think the biggest change has been? Um, I mean. I would say the technology, honestly, uh, has been one of the biggest things because if you look at models even from 10 years ago, you know, we're talking at this point 2009, you know, a lot of times when I think 10 years ago, I think 1999, but that's actually 20 years ago. Um, But when you even go back as far as 10 years ago, the models in comparison uh, have much finer detail um, and and the quality is just higher. There's just more detail in the faces. There's more detail in the hands. There's more like the little bits and things like that. So that's a big deal. Um, and the fact that small companies can get away with doing more of that kind of stuff too, not right. necessarily in the hard plastic because the molds are incredibly expensive, but you're even seeing small companies now with 3D printing and high-end 3D printing be able to make really high-end masters that they can at least then get resin or metal you know, um, made, up, made yeah. from and stuff like that and, and, and do good work that way, which I really enjoy. Um, the paint technologies as well between, you know, like, like people used to not have washes. You, right. know, you had to make your own. You know, that whatever. Was me. Right, I exactly. Was, uh, yeah. When I came back to the hobby after twenty five years and they handed me a pot of gnome oil, I yeah. mean, what is this voodoo? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, no, it's liquid talent. You know right. what I mean? And that's and that's great because it's you'll obviously have people who are like, Well, I don't like that because it makes things too easy or I used to do it the old way or whatever, and that's great. But this hobby always needs new people in it. And when you can show them, look, you can do this really quickly, and that's literally what I was doing in my class an hour right. ago, I was saying, Look, when you use a wash over, you first prime in a color and then highlight with another color, and you've just done rattle can, and then you throw a wash on it, wait for that to dry, and do some dry brush, and you've already got a space marine that looks this good after four steps. Getting all of them done is not that big of a deal. Right. You know, if you had to go through and wet blend all those fades and shades and all that kind of stuff on every single model, you would never get it done. But when right. you can literally in an afternoon do five squads of guys, and make them all have nice fades and all that kind of stuff, you know, and all that, and then go back in and do all the shading and, and whatnot with the washes, and then do some edge highlighting if you want to. I'm teaching, I was teaching those people in the class. Edge highlighting is a real pain for a lot of people. It's really hard. I'm not good at it at all, but I will get a makeup brush, a cheap one from the dollar store, and I will use that and, and go to town for dry brushing, and it will look like really good, um, really good edge highlighting. I've seen with those really big makeup brushes, I've seen people who've gotten effects that look like airbrush. Right. Just yeah. with the brush, oh, yeah. with this makeup brush. I think Vince Ventrello is a big makeup brush yep. advocate. Absolutely. I did a video about that, about makeup brushes too, because yep. actually it was my friend, mm-hmm. uh, Terry Latorco, okay. who originally told me about it. And I was like, I was that's like, that oh, no, 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 that's no. Lynn Stahl. Terry Lynn Stahl, Latorco okay. is, uh, had a channel or still does have a channel called that Terry girl. Okay. And now she works. She's a um, director of marketing for renegade game studios actually. So she's oh, kind of moved into cool. the business side. But yeah, as she was the one who's like, oh yeah, these makeup brushes are amazing. So I went, right. you know, searched some out, picked them up at Walmart, came home and started messing with them. And I was like, wow. And yeah. so I made a video about it. But yeah. See, I have teenage girls, so I steal theirs because yeah, they yeah. steal my, like, they think my hair dryer. And sure. So right. I guess yeah, stuff yeah. like that. I'm like, we're, I'm glazing. I need the hair dryer. Oh you know, yeah. I gotta yeah. go to their room. But, uh, yeah. No, but I, I, I find that that stuff I think has really changed the, the painting hobby of it. Um, and, and just the, there's the modeling and painting. Um, mm-hmm. But then in the gaming aspect, just the fact that like specifically Games Workshop, but other companies also following suit is that the 
the lower barrier to entry, the skirmish games, all that kind of stuff. I mean, even as little as like four years ago, if you wanted to get into a Games Workshop game, which was still at the time, even though they were not doing great, they were still the biggest in the industry. Right. If you wanted to get into that, it was a, you were either going to start playing 40K or you were going to have to play uh, Fantasy. Those were your two options. Right. And both of them were big hills to climb. And a big, yeah, massive expense to put out. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I was pleased when they put out the push together models. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I, that, that's definitely a huge. That's a huge because that, that barrier is. And now you can get into Kill Team. You can like literally, uh, you know, for forty dollars you buy the book. And I did a video about how to get how to build an army for fifty bucks or less, right. and show different armies and different boxes you can use and things like that. You right. know, so you were able to then do that exact thing. Like if you can actually buy the rules and get an army, I'm assuming you probably already have dice. You can use lots of different things for terrain, right. but you can also build it from scratch down the road if you want to or whatever. But yeah, you can play that game for less than a hundred bucks, you know? Right. Your recycling bin's an amazing place to get oh, terrain absolutely. stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's one of my favorite, that's my favorite thing to use. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and say between recycling and the dollar store, I wouldn't have bases and terrain. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Those yeah. are really my two number one places. But, mm-hmm. um, so I, I guess one of the things I wanted to ask you too, well, I'll say this. Um, you do have a video that I can't watch. Okay. That aging video that you just put out, I'm <laughs> right. like, it's too close to home oh, yet. Sure. I'll watch it a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, I, uh, uh, yeah, I was noticing it myself, honestly. With the, you know, I've got uh, progressive lens mm-hmm. you know, glasses, here, yeah. and um, but I was noticing that when I was painting, I was generally pulling them down and looking over the top of yep. them. And after a couple hours of doing that, you know, focusing close that way over the top of my glasses, I ended up getting like this eye strain headache. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point, like I said in the video, where I just started taking ibuprofen ahead of time before I went down to paint, which is not a good idea, you know. And um, so I, uh, yeah, I I, I started looking into uh, some of those kind of head magnifiers. Like some people like the lamp. You know, you mm-hmm. clamp on that's got the the magnifier right. in the middle with the round, you know, bulb around it, stuff like that. I don't like that because I feel like I move around too much so that mm-hmm. lamp doesn't move and I'm moving everything else. Whereas with the, the, the goofy looking, admittedly, uh, right. kind of glasses or whatever that you put on, it sticks to my head. So as I move, it moves it and it's moves fine. It. But um, I always hit the, I have one of the ones with the arm too. Mm-hmm. I always hit the. Oh, you the hit magnifier the arm. With oh, the sure. Brush and, yeah. 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 It screws me up. But yeah. yeah I, so I do like the. Um, this magnifying headset thing because I used to have an old one years ago that I never used much that was like a big Velcro strapper on the back and it had this black thing that came down right. and that, yeah like the and, original jeweler's loop oh, yeah, exactly, thing, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. and I just was like found that really difficult for painting but this new kind where it's more like it goes on like glasses and it's got an actual bridge for your nose and right. um, interchangeable lenses so you can go with different magnifications and things like that and it was super cheap right you yeah know, you can so get them off of eBay I got mine on I, I Amazon for like I don't know 17 bucks or right. maybe less yeah. And so, yeah, it's um, it's really helped me out a lot. And it, honestly, it's getting to the point now where there's times when I'll pull something up and I just want to paint something quick. And I'll be like, why can't I see that? As, oh, yeah, that's right. And I'll go put that thing on real quick. And then I can now see what I'm doing a little bit better. But, yeah, I mean, we all, as it turns out, we're all getting older. Pretty right. much all of us. Most of us are all getting older. And yeah. so um, we think that I think, thought it was a good idea to make a video about it. So, um, you know, you can, you can watch it in a couple of years. Yeah, you right. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I'm already in my 40s. So, I'm like, I'm not sure how much <laughs> the aging it's going to get. But that's a great segue because what I wanted to ask you, too, is what made you decide to do a YouTube channel? Yeah. So, basically, it kind of started when, uh, in 2010... I was watching videos from uh, folks over in Ireland, Northern Ireland, uh, Beasts of War. Okay. And yeah. um, I was watching a bunch of their videos because they had really good production value and I really enjoyed that and everything. 
And um, they had a video one, I think in July or so that talked about how they were updating their website and doing new things to it and whatever and all that kind of stuff. And then it also in the title mentioned Gen Con. And so I was like, oh, well, maybe those guys are going to Gen Con. I can meet them because I go to Gen Con. So that's great. So I watched the video and at the end, they they didn't mention that they were going to Gen Con. They just said, hey, Gen Con's coming up. And if you're going to Gen Con, let us know in the comments below. So I, you know, said in the comments, yeah, I've been going to Gen Con since 92 and, um, and whatnot. And then I went to bed. Uh, cause it was late and then they're like six hours ahead over there. Right. So I wake up in the morning and I've got an email from them or a message or something. something. They contacted me in some way and they were like, Hey, do you have a camera that has HD? Do you have a microphone? Do you have all this stuff? Would you be interested in talking to people while you were there and all this kind of jazz? And so that's how I became their, um, U S correspondent. Oh, nice. So I would go to Gen Con and Adepticon and I would interview, uh, game company marketing folks and designers and all these different things. I would say, talk to these guys, talk to these guys, talk to these guys. And so I was doing that. It's now what um, Dawn and Gianna from Mini War Game, or uh, sorry, from uh, Beast of War are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're basically going to generally to Gen Con and Adapticon and doing a bunch of interviews. And then that stuff shows up on the Beast of War, which is now on tabletop. Um, but anyway, right. <laughs> um, after a couple of years of doing that, I really wanted to learn how to do video production myself. And I wanted to, I was shooting and it was fine. I went to school for photography, so that made sense. But I wanted to learn more about the editing and the audio and the, all that jazz. Right. And so I thought I wanted to start my own channel. And I felt it was going to be like a conflict of interest if I was doing stuff for two channels at the time or whatever. So, you know, we had a, a very amicable, you know, well, hey, I'm, I'm done working for you guys. And I'm going to start my own thing. Sure. And I started in March of 2013. Well, and it feels like that with a hobby there's a, a lot of community yeah, and absolutely. working lifting up. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It doesn't surprise me that they weren't like, they were like, yeah. go, oh, yeah. go forth, spread your wings. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So. And so I, uh, I wanted to learn video production it was really the why I did. I started it and I made videos for about two and a half years and I was kind of all over the board as far as like, there'd be three weeks between videos and then it'd be like a week mm-hmm. and then there'd be a month and then there would be four days and it was just all over the place. As I did that for about two and a half years, and then I hit about 10,000 subscribers, um, at that point, I decided, this was in like October-ish of 2015, I decided I should try to be a little bit more serious about this, <laughs> so I'm going to give it a try. So I decided I'm going to start making videos every single Friday, okay. and I'm just not going to miss. And I had read some things on you know different articles and whatnot about how consistency is key for uh, something like YouTube because right. it's, it's, you know, they, uh, the algorithm looks and see, it sees if you post on a regular schedule over and over again, they know that you're more serious. And so they will up your video rank and whatnot to some degree. So it's a help. And it was, a, it was a goal. Right. So I started launching, I started putting up videos every Friday and, um, like I by, by December, I noticed that my, um, my analytics started to, to climb and mm-hmm. things started going well. And, and that's so, uh, now it's in October, it'll be four years since right. I've been doing it every Friday. And that's kind of, but at that same time, when I decided I'm going to start doing this more, you know, um, steadily and I'm going to start doing this consistently and becomes more serious about it. I also changed focus of the channel mm-hmm. because before I just was like kind of doing some tutorials and just, I was all over the board again. Like I sure. said, I was really literally trying to learn more about video than I was trying to teach. Um, but when I decided to get more serious about it, I also decided to make a mission or like a focus for the channel more about getting new people into the hobby. Right. Um, and not just into the gaming, although that's a big deal of it as well, but also to get them into the painting. Because I personally believe, and I'm sure that you'll probably back me up on this, that this particular hobby is an amazing uh, stress reliever 
It's meditative. You know, sit, coming home from work and all of the troubles you may have or whatever that is and sitting down in your like hobby area and working on a model, painting it, listening to an audiobook, listening to a podcast, listening to music, listening to Netflix, whatever is your jam, um, really, really helps to kind of keep a person centered, I think. It's, mm-hmm. it's meditative. I just... So I think more people need a hobby where they're focusing and working with their hands. It doesn't have to be this hobby. I like this hobby a lot, so this is the one that I tell people about. My dad used to um, tie uh, flies. He was a, he was sure, a fish, fly fisherman. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He used to do that. Um, there's all kinds of things you could do as opposed to you know watching horrible people on TV say horrible things to each other or whatever. You know, <laughs> really? It does not help your stress, in my opinion, but whatever. Okay. So exactly, like that was really became the focus of the channel and why I wanted to do it. So is I wanted to get more people in the hobby to hopefully help people to feel less stress, honestly. I mean, and you've done well too. If I read your analytics right, you're at 147,000 subscribers, mm-hmm. 1.8 million likes on videos. <laughs> sure. 414 videos. Is that the number? Yeah. It's all over the little over 400. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that is impressive. And I know people like me, I, when I got back into the hobby, you're one of the very first names that popped up. People pointed me to go watch videos from from you, and that's yeah. Because I also awesome. focus on people who are lapsed, you know, and who right. are coming back and and are not sure how to start or how to get back into it and stuff like that. Because that's a lot of hobbies I've noticed uh, have a tendency to assume that you already know what they're talking about, right? And so that is sometimes difficult for getting new people into them. Mm-hmm. You know, they they assume you understand the jargon, they understand you know the, the 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 nicknames, the code words, and that kind of stuff. But you have to be actually very clear if you're trying to be inclusive uh, to to new people who want to come into the hobby. Right, and I think I, I found a few times where kind of gaming groups can be clicky at stores. Oh, certainly, yeah. And so they they can be hard to break in that way. But yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I will say that like employees, like anybody who worked with GW or a hobby store, have mm-hmm. all been. Oh. Always been insanely welcoming, certainly. And, you yeah. know, and so it's an it's an interesting dichotomy. But then you turn to the internet, and there you can ask any artist, like, "Hey, man, how did you paint that?" Mm-hmm. And you, mm-hmm. you, you, I have yet to not get a response. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah, Somebody's yeah. always said, you know, what they're doing. So it's a, it's an amazing between the internet and wash pots, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Huge huge changes. Like now, what what do you find is the biggest challenge for doing something like YouTube and being out there on social media? Uh, I mean, the, ch- the biggest challenge is probably going to be something along the lines of um, just motivation and consistency, mm-hmm. like being consistent. You know, you can tell people consistency is key. We're all basically kind of lazy humans. You know what I mean? Like we all right. want to sometimes just sit around and veg or whatever, and that's fine. But um, if you want to get places with like, like for me, this has become basically like a second job, you know, like I'm not making some income from it, which I then put back into buying, you know, crazy camera stuff like this right. and flying to places like DC for the Nova open and whatnot and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but I still got a day job, you know, I still, you know, which luckily dovetails into this because the day job, one of the things we do with the day job is we make this, that app, you know, we make game for, right. Um, for connecting tabletop gamers and everything. So when I go to a convention, and I talk to game people. I'm also talking about the app and stuff, so that their you know, work is fine with it and all that kind of stuff. And it's been nice, but not everybody's got that. Um, so the big challenge in some situations is just finding the time, finding the motivation, finding all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, it's also if you don't like to learn, it's also a real, <laughs> real bummer right. because it's. I like to learn, and because of that, mm-hmm. that's great because I've got so many things to learn about video production. About and I went to school for photography, so but I still. 
there's new cameras every day, you know, and all that right. kind of stuff and things to, to, to kind of, and just creativity and all that kind of stuff can kind of sometimes beat you down a little bit. But, um, it is like, like for me, the every Friday thing is it's, it's just become natural. It's what I assume being fit must be like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> right, when you get fit, you get to this point where you're like, well, I didn't make it, I didn't run today, you know, and now I just don't feel right. And it was just like, it's just in your brain saying mm-hmm. I should have run today or I need to run still yet today. I mean, I, Lord knows I don't have that, but I do have, by the time it's Wednesday, I'm like, I don't have that video that even started yet. It makes me nervous. It makes me anxious and stuff. Right. So I got to get it done. Um, whereas when I first started, it was like, ah, I just don't think I'm gonna make a video this week. Right. And that's, you know, you, you can do that if you want to, but if you want to be a little bit more successful at it, it the consistency is key. Excellent. Um, when that's, it's also every other Sunday, right? You also have a, a yeah, show I, every other Sunday. About two and a half years ago, I think I started yeah. doing a live show and that's I've been doing this every other Sunday. And, uh, those, I just do live stream on YouTube from, from home, honestly, from my dining room table. Um, and so there's cat noises and wife noises in the background sure, and, yeah. and cars outside and things yeah. like that and whatever. But yeah, it's, it's, that show started out where it was going to be me painting or building and then kind of talking about it and then maybe answering some questions. And it turns out I am terrible at trying to read the chat, answer questions and paint and or build at the same time. I just right. can't do it. People like Sam who paints on my channel from time to time, Sam Lenz. Yep. He's amazing on Twitch. He could be doing, he'd be painting at an incredibly high level right. and reading the chat and answering all the questions. And it's astounding, but I'm not. Him that. and Shoshi Bauer, I mean, just, sure. they've got the skills to yeah. be able to do. And, so yeah, what I, I do, do instead is I just basically answer people's questions. I mm-hmm. read the chat and answer questions. I can do that. Trying to also add in painting or building at the same time doesn't work out for me. But because of that, that show has become almost like a podcast. Right. You really don't need to watch because it's normally just my face. Every once in a while I cut away to a web page and talk about something or whatever, that kind of stuff. But for the most part, you can just be listening to me answering questions from the chat and hopefully you'll learn something. It's just great background noise yeah. for painting. That's a, I was actually going to say that I actually listen to it when I paint. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. A, it's a definitely thing. So the motto of our podcast is better, braver, happier. Mm-hmm. Do you have uh, any advice for people out there to how to become a better and braver, happier painter? Things that are like kind of tips and tricks for them? Um, I would say absolutely number one is don't compare yourself to other people. Compare yourself, compare your current. um, If you're trying to get better, because not everybody's trying to get better. Some people are happy completely with where they're at and that's cool. And they're just doing it because they enjoy the actual action of doing it, which is awesome. But if you are trying to improve, never compare yourself to other painters. Only compare your current paint job to your last paint job right. you know if you're if you're if you're the, the paint job you just finished is better than the last one then you're doing better and that's all you need to do because if you you know it's like when you see people on the magazine covers you know and you're like man i'm not as good looking as that person well they're not as good looking as that person because it's a lot of photoshop and whatever. Right. <laughs> but it's also a ton of time that they spent you know when you're looking at another painter who's like down in the in the case downstairs or well, right over there actually in the uh the crystal uh, or, uh, sorry the capital palette, capital palette yeah. it's um all i would bet none of those people just picked up a brush for the first time this month you know what i mean like they've right. been doing it for decades and so that's why they look amazing and when you've just started obviously your stuff's not going to look that way <laughs> if you've just started as a skier you're not as going to be as good as a, as a, as a pro skier who's been doing it for 30 years, you know, that kind of stuff. It just kind of works that way. So yeah, comparing yourself to yourself, if you're trying to get better is, is the best way to do it, but don't compare yourself to other people. It's really hard on your, on your psyche it is. and your production, yeah. you know? Yeah. I've noticed that too, that the, 
that's the one of the pitfalls of social media is that you can see all this work done by these amazing artists. Sure. It may you can either you can go one of two ways. You can want to throw your brushes away or going to or go and oh, I want to be like that. You know, like yeah. I just did a video. I think it was on Friday. Yeah, about inspiration. Mm-hmm. And you know, there are obviously plenty of places to get inspired as far as like looking on Instagram, looking in White Dwarf, and things like that. But there's a lot of other places to get inspiration. Though the places that I talked about for inspiration were not quite. I want to get inspired to get better, but it's more along the lines of I want to get inspired to like be more creative like i want to make some terrain i can get it's draw inspiration from video games you know or uh from books maybe even or from movies uh on how to build this stuff whereas if you want to just get better at terrain well you can draw inspiration from other people who build amazing terrain Um, but if you want to make stuff that looks different and interesting then i find that inspiration comes from other places other types of media so thank you so much for joining us. I, I don't want to keep you too long. I know you sure. got a bunch of stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find Uncle Adam on Tabletop Minions on YouTube. Correct. And uh, are you on Instagram or Facebook? Yep. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. It's Tabletop Minions on both. Uh, on Facebook, there's the uh, Tabletop Minions Paint Showcase Club where you can go um, and people share pictures of work in progress, finished stuff, and ask questions about, um, you know, like, like how, do, how do I do this? How do I do that? And other people give answers and things like that. It's a good sized group, probably I think 16,000 people right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's, it's not bad. It's, uh, it, you know, it, I find again, inspiration can come from a lot of different places and sometimes it can come from people, you know, on even places like Facebook is as troublesome as Facebook can be. <laughs> uh, it can still sometimes give you some nuggets. It's like alcohol. It's an amazing solution and the cause of problems, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, so the internet and Facebook. It's the, and the, the cause and solution to many of life's problems. Thank you so much. It was a privilege to meet you. Absolutely. And I, uh, I want to make sure that you know that people like me appreciate all of what you do yeah. for the hobby and such. Right, and you really help, help us become better, braver, and happier. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Dan and I would like to thank Uncle Adam from Tabletop Minions for joining us on the show today. He's a highly skilled teacher, an incredible artist. I love his work and just an overall wonderful person. Thank you so much for your patience with me and all my gaps, including uh, the not good kind of mic drop at the very beginning. And also, thank you so much for all the hard work and time you put into the community. Over 400 plus videos for free on your YouTube page. That's kind of insane. Follow him on Instagram at Tabletop Minions or on YouTube at Tabletop Minions as well as on Facebook. If you're not subscribing to a show, you're not getting as much education as you could. Make sure you definitely check him out. We'll be back next week with a mini episode review and then in two weeks with another full episode. So until then, remember the only thing that really needs to change in the hobby is for you to keep coming a better, braver, and happier painter. Until next time. Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan is a production of LTPDWMD. All rights reserved. No portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the host. The music is Death by a Thousand Questions by Springtide. Download from the free music archive on a non-commercial attribution share alike basis. All views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly.